episode 20, my sweet friend. I've got my brothers on the show today. They are chefs. Mark and Paul Gross. They both have restaurants, one in Detroit, one in Chicago. I must say, as the new guy to the family, uh, their restaurants are insanely delicious. Fantastic. So, yeah. I mean, it's almost like nothing you've ever had, and I'm serious. Paul also is a culinary instructor. So we'll find out more about their training, what their deep, dark passions are, and how they feel about fast food. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. And be sure to stick around for the after pod when we talk about Mark and Paul after they leave the room. Welcome to the Cuz I Have To podcast, where living your dream is the only option. I'm your host, Julie Slater. And I'm Jason Friday. And we've been scouring the earth for people living their dharma so we can share their stories with you. And hopefully we help you find your dharma. Let's do it. So we have chefs Mark and Paul Gross, who happen to be my brothers. Uh, Mark, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us about your restaurant. I'm Mark, Oceanique Restaurant, Evanston, Illinois. We bordered Chicago on the north, home of Northwestern University. And Paul? Hey, I'm Paul from Cuisine Restaurant. We're in uh, downtown Detroit in the New Center area, across street from the Fisher Theater. And uh, we use a lot of French technique, but we use foods from all over the world. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wake up here. Wake up. Wake up. <laughs> okay. So, gosh, you guys have had those restaurants going for some time. Um, Mark just hit 32 years, and mm, Paul yeah. is coming up on 20 in June, right? That's correct. It's wild. Which so, is a very long time in the restaurant business. <laughs> Yeah, that is. Right. You know, what are the stats? Is a, Isn't there a horrible stat of restaurants? Like how long, how many years that most restaurants don't survive? Yeah, I think that 80, 90% after five years are gone. That's wow. what I believe. Wow. It's worse now after uh, the pandemic, too. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah. yeah, it was an awful year. Past 12 months have been just but when uncharted I think waters. It, 30, yeah. yeah. I call it dog years. So 32 years is only like four and a half, right? <laughs> so it, so it doesn't. I don't feel so old. <laughs> I'm like I'm like a Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. I'm like a Hollywood actress. I don't want to pretend I'm too old. You know, I can't get a gig. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> people, people don't. People don't necessarily want to go to an old restaurant. Ah, oh, it's been there forever. You know, the food probably tastes like crap. You know, somehow you have to reinvent yourself. I think as you go, and you know. Do you ever do a grand reopening? We kind of did that at our 25th birthday. Remember, you guys came and we had a blast. That was a hell of a party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great times. Yeah, good times. Good I wasn't there, sadly, but I heard oh, about it. Right. That was pre-Jason yeah. times. Sorry. Okay. But <laughs> it was, okay. We had we had Pete and the, Paul in the kitchen and myself and a couple guys. We had a blast. We kept burning the toast and blaming it on Pete. <laughs> Pete he did do most of the burning. Us. He did most of the burning anyway, yeah. As you should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As you should. <laughs> that was a That was a riot. Real quick, he flew in from Malaysia that day. He didn't tell me. He was on a plane or in the airport for 36 hours. He just walks in the kitchen at 5 o'clock. What's up, dude? <laughs> that was a hell of a day. And thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for coming, uh, Paul and Julie. Thanks for coming to the party. It was fun. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, that was great. So now, would you guys say that is there a certain point in your life that you realized cooking was your passion and, and is cooking alone or is it you know is it the whole thing running a restaurant and all that is there a certain time in life you figured it all out yeah i will first for me it was when i was like five years old and i said you know someone makes you a sandwich and says that was okay but when i figured out i could make it better 
the, the other person and, you know, put some care into it, some thought. Maybe the tomatoes are a little better. Maybe it's a little older than five, but I figured this is pretty cool, right? And when I was in grade school, fifth and sixth grade, you know, we couldn't afford to pay 50 cents to get a hot lunch every day, right? So we always had a brown baguette for whatever reason. So I, I would work with the, the older ladies and everything was handmade back then. Handmade bread, pastas, they make these dishes and uh, I would work for my lunch and get a free lunch. I'd help them a little bit, you know? So it's just always in my oh, head. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, that was grade school. Wow, that is so cool, yeah. Yeah, and, wow. and you know, they have the what food about nowadays. You, Paul? Yeah, same thing, when I was young too, starting out in this business, it came real easy to me. And that's, I mean, first, of course, you're gonna like it because it's easy for you, right? You're enjoying it. If you struggle at something, you're not gonna enjoy it. So to excel early at a young age made me uh, believe that I wanted to do it. Yeah, uh, to go as far as we are right now, yeah, I mean, high insight. You had to look ahead way back then. I mean, I drew up plans of when I was 18, no, not even 18, 17 in high school. I drew up plans of how to, uh, how I would operate a restaurant, what it would look like, the type of food and the atmosphere. And I kind of lost those notes. And then right before opening cuisine, I accidentally stumbled across them. And those notes were very similar to what I created in cuisine. So it was pretty cool. It's a lifelong dream. Nice. So now you guys got your training in at the restaurant in Chicago, La Francais? La Francais. La, Fran- La Francais? La Francais. Oui. And, and that was with, do I always want to say, is it Jean Bonchet? That's good. Oui. Yep. yep. Yeah. So was Bonchet. that like, you guys, first, Mark, you started there. Was yeah. that an equal to going to culinary school? Um, I think it's, I think it's like one of our colleagues, Jeff Jackson said, it's like going to Harvard Business School because I mean, it's just so intense every day. Cooking school is different because they're there to take your money. You know, you're paying them. So they're not going to beat you up too bad. They're not going to they're not going to push you too hard in cooking school because mm-hmm. they don't want you to drop out. Number one, and I know there's some good instructors. Obviously, Paul's right there, but um, I think it's totally different. I didn't go to cooking school, but that's my impression by hiring people who went there. So it was just so intense, and I think it was the best education you could have. You know, we worked like eighty hours a week, yeah. six days a week for three years, and it was brutal. I always say it's the best and worst three years wow. of my life. You know? Yeah, that's a, that's a very like hit the ground running and just you don't yeah. stop and you I mean Especially, that's that's like pure escalation into wow the major leagues you know obviously Paul was there too but we had one yeah guy, right one guy couldn't take it we we called him U-Haul Rick he packed up his U-Haul and moved back to Detroit the next day <laughs> I don't know if Paul wow. was before Paul but uh, it was yeah. Marcus's buddy I but, think uh, I replaced him Rick. I replaced him <laughs> that's good yeah. That's good. I still have nightmares to this day about that place. Yeah, the dreams, the dreams, <laughs> do you? The dreams never no, stop. I'm kidding. Oh, you're not kidding. Holy shit. No, okay. no wow. I need therapy. I think I need therapy. Yeah, my wow. Do you think looking yeah, back but... on it now that 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 kind of environment couldn't exist with no, how hard it was? Well, no, not but yet. Mark's right about the intensity. I, as an instructor, I can tell you first and foremost, what we try to uh, emulate at school is a uh, is a stress a fractured um, or structure a stress fractured environment and you can't do that like you are live in the in the situation we were at La Francaise where yes we were learning um, most of the cooks that came in were accomplished chefs already even Mark was Mark was running his own kitchens and uh, decided to go and learn more by going to to work for John Van Shea well I was one of the first commies or apprentices uh, that he took on that wasn't really educated yet. And, and, and I wasn't running my own kitchens yet. So 
not only was I learning from uh, John Bencheo, I was learning from guys like Mark and, and the other cooks in the kitchen too. And the intensity, you know, a learning level with that high of intensity is like shock treatment, you know, with the stress of a chef owner breathing down your back. Cause you know, it's different when it's somebody else's money that you're working with. And also to, to create the, um, the, um, the quality of product that he's already created to continue to do so. Wow. Um, like so- during the pandemic, we, you know, we closed down school and we have a restaurant at school and we had to close it down. Um, and I've, I've been fighting uh, for the last couple of months to try to reopen it because the students need that. They need to have that stress of being in a live restaurant. And finally, they approved it. And we're going to actually open next week. But yeah, you can't, it's not the same. Wow. And when we were there, it was packed every night. Every night we're just busting our butts every night to, you know, you, as, as a restaurant owner, you dream of those days, you know, where you're packed, you don't know, we didn't know what day it was, you know, Saturday, Friday, you know, it's just, you know, it's a great experience in the end, you know, we wow. get like five, 10 minutes for lunch if we could and just back at it, you know, and, uh, wow. I remember that, like, that is like, that is such a different like view or dream that I had ever <laughs> imagined. I mean, I, I understand the restaurant industry is like, holy shit, it's nonstop. You're like always moving. Everything's going. But with how intense that you guys are explaining it, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Wow. Were you there, and, and Paul, was, for three years as well? Yeah, I think we we're both there three and a half years. Um, but the insane part is like, why would you stay? Why would you stay in that environment? You know, why would you be abused? physically, emotionally. Uh, at the end of the day, though, you would collect your thoughts and, and, and consider what you just learned or what you just performed that day. Like, God damn it, man. That's, that's some pretty cool stuff. So wow. that's what motivated us, I think, what kept us going. And we're young, too. I mean, could you imagine being under that stress and working those hours now, Mark? Oh, uh, no. I'd probably be drinking a lot more. <laughs> no. I'd probably be drinking a hell of a lot more. No, yeah, we, we used to complain every day. Like, we, we'd have a partner in the kitchen every day. You know, why are we doing this? This is crazy, you know. You only live once, blah, blah, blah. But um, we stuck it out, man, and obviously it, it's been well worth it. And uh, wow, the old French technique was screaming and yelling and, you know, even, punt, you know, kick the guy in the shin, you know. It's crazy. But he had wow. his whipping boys, too, and we weren't, we weren't the whipping boys. You know, it's funny how... Things turn out where one guy's getting beat up every day, every day. He just takes it, you know. But if you stand up to him and say, hey, what's going on? What do we need to do here? And, and he would he would change, you know. Right. Paul almost got into a fist fight with him one night after I left. Remember, Paul? <laughs> Dropped his apron yeah. and said, let's yeah. go. Let's I didn't go. know let's any go. of this. <laughs> Remember, Paul? He's like, how could I forget, Mark? Thanks for bringing that back to life. That was no. last night's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but Thanks. Once, I thought I was over it. <laughs> but once, but once you stand. But did up, things you change after you stood up? Yeah, yeah. I've had yeah, that happen well, with people in my life. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's going to yeah, keep happening until you do something about it, yeah. right? He was a yep. bully, no question. Yeah, one hundred. Wow. But you know what's interesting? Gosh. Weren't you guys also? He passed away in uh, twenty thirteen. Weren't you guys also really sad at that too? Or just like, wow. Oh, absolutely. Yes, he, oh, yeah. I, I flew in for his uh, memorial. I mean, uh, yeah, it meant a lot to us. Yeah. He's like a That's fire, so interesting like a it's to like have a those mixed bus. feelings. Right. We nicknamed him Dad behind his back. Yeah. <laughs> he never <laughs> knew? No, he never knew. He, had, he didn't have any children either. He had a three-legged dog. He did. He did. I love it. No, but he had a he had a great heart. I mean, he would take me out for lunch once in a while. He took us took us on trips to New York to see restaurants and stuff. Oh wow, that's incredible! 
he had a great heart outside of work. And I mean, when I quit, he gave me a whole set of pots and pans and knives and all kind of things. I still have two of them. But uh, wow, I didn't wow. get anything. He shit. Is that real? <laughs> Is that real, Paul? <laughs> Damn it. Shit. Well, that was later on. Maybe he ran out of stuff, you know. But he would like he'd always give us a Christmas present, like a a used tie, right? A regift. <laughs> My a brother, re-gift. did you get the regifts too, Paul? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, I got these things. Uh, he, things he didn't want. He from yeah. three had a list. I said, I don't wear a tie. Things he didn't want. <laughs> but he was. That is too. He funny. was a good, obviously a great chef, but a, a really good person too outside the restaurant. I was gonna say, yeah. So outside the restaurant, he was an incredible genuine person who who actually cared and had feelings where in the restaurant you're like you know well yeah. sometimes i think right. too when you work for a bad person you learn how not to treat your own employees i learned that oh, in my life yeah yeah also working exactly. for a, a, a bad chef you learn you know how not to do things how not to cook things how not to organize things obviously so what is the most positive things that you got out of your training there. For me, was uh, developing my palate and how to taste food and what it should taste like. And it, that took about a year and a half working it. You know, there was this uh, position where you could work next to the chef during the day. So, you, you you know, we open for service at six o'clock, but you show up for work at like between noon and one o'clock every day. So those hours prepping, the chef would work on the back table and then his sous chef would be on his right hand side. And then on the left side would be like the most elevated person in the kitchen usually Americans. And uh, once I graduated to that position, so you'd work next to the chef all day long and working on various items every day, but always tasting. And for about a year and a half, he would give me something. He says, okay, this is what this should taste like. This is the layers you should taste and how it should finish and how the flavors start out, the middle flavor, and then the finish. There's so many layers on on certain foods. And uh, when you're told that, you know, you have in in the beginning, you have no idea what what he means by it. But then as you taste it and understand it and keep practicing it, you actually develop an immense uh, palate, which is really cool. That, that's the biggest thing I got. I will say one of the most amazing experiences is going to a restaurant with the two of you and just hearing you guys pick out, you know, the flavors and what they use. You know, like you guys have such a specific, you know, exactly what's in it. It's pretty, yeah. pretty wild. Yeah, we went to Per Se in New York, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that was fun. See, what I learned, too, is when I, I went there to visit him for an interview, and he put me in the kitchen, I tasted everything, I sat down, he made us, he made dinner for me. I took all my recipes I had over the years, I threw them all away, oh all the God. ones I had, because this was a whole other level, right? Seriously, yeah, sure. wow, these flavors and all that shit I was making before, no, right in the bin, all the recipes. And I just, oh it was a revelation. God. That first day, I didn't even start working there. It was a revelation. I never tasted food like this before, you know. And, uh, wow. and like Paul said, to find somebody in our kitchen now who has a good palate, it's hard. And it, has, it takes years of training and tasting different foods, I think, and learning how to cook. It's important to have that. Yeah. Sometimes you go to a restaurant and you say, did the chef ever taste this food? There's no way he tasted it because it's, it, it's so whacked out, right? No seasoning, nothing. Yeah. A lot of chefs, they, they need to taste their food. And we have to taste it every day, you know, and we have to, as a chef, we have to trust yeah. our employees. If you don't trust that guy till he gets to that level, we have to taste, keep tasting it. So that, that person, that woman yeah, or, right. or man is up to uh, snuff. It makes so much sense, right? So simple, but. Yeah, sure. Of course. Exactly. <laughs> it's so simple yet so precise that it's almost too difficult. 
Right. It's, yeah, like, no it's so simple that it's like too difficult. <laughs> well, it's the first thing I tell new employees or um, my new students when I ever get a new rotation is taste everything from start to finish. Not only to taste the finished product, but the pay, uh, taste the development of the flavors. You know, sure. when you're cooking an item, it tastes different than when you first start than when it finishes. That The only way to understand the finished flavor is to understand the process the development of the flavors. Right. It's really important. God, I love this. Can we talk about this more often? Who's the taste tester at your house? I was going to say, can you tell Jason to taste something before he puts salt and pepper on it? (laughs) Oh, busted. Damn. Like that, huh? And hot sauce. (laughs) Maybe give it a little (laughs) bite first before you douse it in hot sauce. Yeah, What's your take on hot sauce, you guys? Well, first of all, that's a great point. J.C. Penney was uh, an executive in Chicago back in the day, right? Mr. Penny would take out his prospective managers and he'd take them out to dinner, a place he'd never, they'd never been before. And if they put salt and pepper on their food before they tasted it, he wouldn't hire them. Because they're making unwise decisions, right? Right. Wow. Like Jason. Like Jason, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got to rethink this whole relationship. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> but I like Taste I, your food. Okay, I, hold on. I, I like hot sauce. You know, <laughs> To my defense, I love hot sauce. I love food, and I think that I can taste. I think my palate is fair, just like it is with uh, like wines. I think I have a pretty decent palate with that as well. Um, there are certain things that I just already know. This, this, it's not like oh, this needs hot sauce. This is like no, this is uh, this is non-existent without a the however many dashes of hot sauce or whatever you know obviously if i go to either of your restaurants what are those things that you say that you already know like eggs or something like yeah something simple eggs do i know how to make good eggs yes in fact i made some for many other people recently that they're like holy shit these eggs are incredible i know that they're good because i know how to do it but for my own personal taste i like just throwing on some of that spice just to you know i mean sure it adds more salt and vinegar and all that stuff too but I'm aware of that, at least for my sake. I don't do it for everybody, just me. <laughs> yeah, I love, I do like hot sauce too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I do. It's, I do. Yeah, it's it it's bring delicious. out flavors of other foods. It, right? right, exactly. And I mean, there's so many different types of hot sauces too. There's like yeah. the vinegar based, and then there's like the paste based, and then the, you know, and sh- there's just layers, like you guys were talking about, layers of taste and all that. Same thing with hot sauce, I think too. Obviously, much different. Uh, pr- yeah, perspective but yeah and what about getting into um wines so wines you know end up pairing with certain meals you guys have gotten pretty deep into that like what's your favorite what's your favorite kind of wine i know mark you have one of the most as i always say pete says you have one of the most impressive wine galleries of a selection in the planet yeah <laughs> yeah i was sitting in a restaurant in paris i went there by myself first time I was 24, I think. And I, was, I often have to go out by myself because the, the buddy I knew there, he, he he was a bartender and he didn't have any money. So I went to all the Michelin's, three stars, and I was sitting at this place called La Marais. It's a seafood place in Paris. And the wine and the food, I realized there's such a high to that, having great wine and great food, just a natural high. I said, wow, this is really, really good. And it, it hit me right then. And over the years, I, I slowly got into wine, you know. And we worked with this guy, Mr. Anders Westbo, a Norwegian guy at this club in uh, Oakbrook here, Paul and I. 
and he was just just into wine and of course i was kind of into wine not much you know when my partner left so i i i had to start learning about wine because i was the only guy left i just picked up these books uh well-known writers about burgundy bordeaux and start studying the producers and i just studied them and i bought some of their wine and just we built the list there i had a, my friend there was michael rourke who paul knows he he was into wine more than anybody I knew at that time, and we just he pushed me to buy some really good wines. You know, even though we we had limited funds, but it, we we bought these wines, to, especially the DRC, the Domini Domain del Romani Conti, which has proved beneficial for me for collecting these over the years. And the appreciation has been un- unbelievable. In fact, I sold a whole bunch of them last year because of uh, obviously the situation we were in, and just learning about wine and how it goes with food. And it, like Julie said, I think it's a really essential part of a, a fine fine meal, whatever type of cuisine you're, you're enjoying at the moment, you know, really adds to your experience, right? As you guys know, as we all know. Right, Paul? Absolutely. How about you, Paul? What's your thoughts on wine? Uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it integrates with the food exceptionally. It carries you through to the next course, you know, so you have to plan that out. And having an understanding of that is, uh, it's rare, I think. Not, most chefs don't have that understanding. And that's probably one of the biggest things I got from Mark, other than the opportunity, of course, to pursue this career, is uh, the understanding of wines and the flavor profiles of each wine, uh, each varietal, and how they match up with certain foods. I mean, it's, it's really incredible. And we, and we make a lot of money off it, being able to do that. We organize wine dinners, you know, with people that are willing to spend that kind of money that have a true appreciation for both wine and food. And you can't fake it with these people. Most of these uh, wine dinners that we do, people are pretty knowledgeable of wine, and they appreciate the flavors of the foods that we pair with them. And uh, to be successful at that, you have to know what you're doing. Yeah. And that's like a whole, like you were saying, most chefs maybe aren't that into wine, because that's a whole, that's like you learned all this to be a chef. Now you have to learn all this with wine. That's a whole nother, you know, maybe you're just like, oh, I'll just hire a great sommelier and bring them in. Yeah. Which we should mention that we had Mark's son, Philippe Andre, which is, uh, he was on the podcast early on and uh, really had a great time with him talking about wine. Champagne, yeah, which is wine, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite champ- uh, champagne? Well, champagne is wine. So let me just, uh, let me just, let me just put that out there. <laughs> it is. And yeah. It's funny how he's, he's taken off. I, I started to teach him initially and uh, he's really blown it up, man. And I'm happy for yeah, him. Yeah, no kidding. Happy for him. He's really, he used to go, I remember he used to go all the wine tastings. And I'm telling Philippe, we don't have any money to buy wine. But he kept going, he kept going, and he kept learning. And it's amazing how he soaked up all that knowledge. It's really cool. I was just going to say, um, Paul, you're also, an, you're an instructor at Schoolcraft College. How is teaching for you, like, how does that fill you? You know, do you get really inspired by doing that as well? Well, it's made me a better chef. There's no question about it. I've been... Uh, a part-time instructor for 10 years and just recently became full-time, but it's made me a better chef because I had to go back to my roots and you have to make sure you understand the basics uh, to be able to teach them. So you have to do everything by the book, uh, of course, with um, interpretations that fit your style. But yeah, there's no question uh, it's made me a better chef. It's made me a better teacher, meaning I can instruct even at work, you know, at the restaurant. I, I'm a better instructor at, at the restaurant because I know, I know how to talk to people uh, it's giving me more patience, you know, I'm not as quick to jump on somebody if they don't do something right. But um, it all goes back to uh, techniques, 
proper cooking techniques, proper understanding of not only the technique, but the terms. You know, we have our own language in the kitchen. And uh, when it comes to the ideology of uh, a food and, and uh, like I said, the terms and uh, being able to express the cooking techniques verbally and also physically, it's really important. Yeah. And do you believe that anyone can be taught to be a better cook? No, <laughs> not everybody. No. <laughs> Some people just don't have it. Just pat no. them on your back and say, you know what, maybe try something else. I don't know. <laughs> it's bad. No, that was a very quick and honest answer. Yeah. And I appreciate yeah. that. I think that's, yeah. I think that's real, you know? So that's, uh, it, like hey. I, I see a lot of students and I'd say, one out of a thousand, like, have it, you know, like really have it. They're really going to go far with this. That's not many, wow. you know, it's a, it's a small percentage. That is a very small percentage. Yeah. That's one out of a thousand. I, I mean, that's the way I look at girls. One out of a thousand might work. <laughs> <laughs> Although at my age, anybody who likes me, I'll, I'll like them. <laughs> I'm sure your wife will love that comment. You just she got married. Hear. Where are we going with this? She can't hear me. Yeah. She's, she'll never watch this. <laughs> no, but, uh, but it's, but it, what this talking about wine again. I mean, in French cuisine, especially, we use so much wine in the kitchen to cook with. That it just makes so much sense to have something that will, will try to match the, match the flavors of the dish or, or counteract the flavors of the dish to make it blend and work. That's all. Right. And it, wine's a whole right. other thing. When pack. we're cooking, we're keeping. When we're cooking, we're keeping in mind what wines will go with that food, you know. Yeah, uh, I don't think I don't think all chefs think that way. That is no, definitely right. a different approach. It, yeah, but I but I mean I like that approach because it's so unique. It's not, unfortunately, but whatever. It's fine that you don't. It's not how every chef thinks, and that's okay, right? But it's I mean, but it's so unique when you are that chef that thinks that way. Absolutely. I don't know. It's a special. Absolutely. That's a special thing. When we can walk out to a table, and, and you know. I don't go out there for congratulations or anything. I try to feed off the guests and, and understand what they're looking for. Cause I mean, ultimately that's the goal, right? It's to please the guests, to keep them coming back. But when you can go out there and suggest food and then taste it with this wine, you know, if you can pair it right there on a the spot and then they agree with it and then they actually go through the experience, blows them away, you know, and, and, it, and the retention of business would be a lot higher because they, they believe in you and they understand that you, what you've gone through to understand. I mean, it's not, it's not God given. You got to learn it. You got to put the time in, you got to put the effort in and they appreciate that. Yeah. We'll have absolutely. to do a podcast with Pete one day too. get him on the mix. Talk well, we were be... laughing. We were on the walk. We were like, oh, we should have Pete on the podcast. His passions yeah. would yeah. be, wait, we came up with some funny ones. Wasn't it? Well, buying a bunch of stuff, buying a bunch of houses. Um, yeah. He also makes a lot of things. Um, <laughs> and lawsuits. Oh, lawsuits. <laughs> lawsuits was the other one. <laughs> All right, Pete, if you could do one of three, you buy houses, you buy wine, or you sue people, go. <laughs> and we were thinking about him in general, you know, him during the pandemic. Like, wow, he was never home. He traveled all the time. So now he's, it's such an interesting yeah. time. So let's get yeah, into right. that with you guys. I mean, I know you mentioned it early on, Paul, that this past year with the pandemic is, I mean, for restaurants, it's insane that anyone can even stay in business. What have you guys, what has it taught you and how have you stayed afloat, I guess, during this time? Yeah, it's been devastating. Um, you know, one of the, another reason uh, I got into this, uh, I always thought, wow, job security, I'll always have a job. 
you know, I went from uh, working at school 30 hours a week, working at the restaurant 50 or 60 hours a week to a halt. I had no job to go to at school. I, the restaurant was forced to be closed. My body and my mind were in shock for you know three, four days before I could figure out what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had to change. We had um, we had to adjust to the present climate. I never thought I'd be doing carry out food like we did. But you know what? I took it as a challenge, and uh, we actually excelled at it. I thought we did. To see other restaurants do it as well, like one of the top restaurants in each city, you know, in Chicago, New York, and, and us included, we, we had to we had to step up to the plate. But no question, it was life altering. Uh, you know, we were forced to close a second time, and then we were when we were allowed to reopen. I told the staff, I said, you know, it's a great accomplishment to be able to open uh, because a lot of restaurants are not. You know, so it's, yeah. it was very difficult. It still is. Yeah. We're at we're at twenty five percent capacity. We have a ten o'clock curfew. I have to walk up to tables in the first time in my career at nine forty five and say, "I'm sorry, you have to leave soon." <laughs> you know, it's, wow. and most people will understand it, but it's it's, it's devastating. Yeah, yeah. We don't have the ten. We don't have a ten o'clock curfew. I don't think. Yeah. But. What is the curfew for? I, I don't understand. Well, it's, it's they don't want people hanging around too long. They, yeah. Illinois says. I think that's more for bars, right? Yeah. Would right. it be the bar crowd you're trying to prevent? People getting too drunk, and then they get they get a little bit sloppy with other people. Yeah. You know, yeah, right. it's just crazy times, like you said. And I just did my books last night for last year, and it's just a devastating year, obviously. But we do see a light at the end of the tunnel now, so that's a good thing. You know, getting vaccinated maybe next month, and I had a bunch of loans and grants this year from the government, so that obviously has been the lifeline for us, and I think for Paul too. It's like. The government is helping out, so that's you know something to be thankful for. And there should be some more relief coming down in the new package, giving grants out to independent restaurants, yeah. not chains. So, and you know, this is you know, yeah. I spoke to Paul the other day. A lot of our clientele are, are 50, 60, 70, You know, and we're not seeing those people. They're not going out. Renee and our my family, we've been out one time in the last year, one time. You know, we used to go out every week, every Sunday for dinner normally. You know, so it's a definitely it's a change of habit yeah. for everybody. Uh, you see a restaurant closed nowadays, it's like you don't even And it's going to be tough. Out. Yeah, still, going forward. Yeah, right. It's going to be tough because even when restaurants open, we're so used to not going that I'm, oh, yeah. I, you know, a, a lot of people are like, I don't even know. I'm not even sure. I, I hate to say it to, I'm sure you guys know this yourself, but like, I'm not even sure I want to go to a restaurant and sit there and eat. We haven't had indoor dining at all during this for a yeah. year the last time we ate at a restaurant was literally a year ago uh to the day probably yeah so i mean that's yeah. another weird but it was we went to one place outside and that was nice to actually feel normal again but that's you know it's really getting people to feel that feeling again yeah <sighs> yeah that's, that's yeah. the thing too the, the mental uh mental illness you know mental things going on today you, you, you have nothing to do yeah. Even if you have money you can't spend it you know yeah. And it's just so strange. And uh, definitely just have to be patient. Day at a time, right? I definitely yeah. thought about you sure. guys, too, during the pandemic. Like Paul was saying, your schedule, like every single, you know, almost every single night of your whole life, you're at the restaurant, you know, maybe you have a day yeah. off here and there, and then all of a sudden you have to be home. What was your biggest takeaway? Because that really made people look at themselves inside. Like, what was your biggest takeaway from all that? Yeah, I got up. I got up. I was going to watch a football game, and I, I saw this lady on my couch. She said, who are you? She said, I'm your wife. I said, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was the first adjustment. And then, 
it's like that's like Paul said, yeah, you just it's like weird, yeah, nothing to do. So what I would go to a restaurant. We were closed for three months. I would I would go there every day, just check on the coolers every other day, make sure the coolers were still working. We had some food in the freezer, and there's no floods or whatever, you know, no fires, but also something to do, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, so exercise a little more. And right, it's weird. It's very strange, obviously. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, this all went all this went down when when uh you know it was still winter time for you guys obviously we don't really have much of a winter out here but it was still freezing out and snowing and all of that i'm yeah i would assume you'd have to just make sure everything's not freezing and breaking yeah. and bursting or anything yeah. like that yeah pivot, pivot what about you work. paul with your mental state yeah for me uh i tell you the only good thing is uh, the boys all came home so they were all at school except for connor but um we spent more time this past year than we have since they were little. So I kind of see that as uh, not lasting much longer because once schools reopen, they're boom, they're all going to go their own way. Uh, Tyler might have to move to New York. So we're enjoying the time we're spending together. And it's kind of amazing. You know, they're, Tyler's 22, the twins are 21, and they're living at home. I didn't, I didn't expect that, but I think that's the only good thing that came out of this pandemic is being able to spend more time with them. Yeah, sure. And I think we like, as parents, we like it more than they do. You know, yeah, you know. <laughs> for sure. That's like a you know yeah. a dog or whatever. It's like you're never home, and now you're home all the time. Like, hey. So, That's what's the future too. for both of you, Mark? Will you be cooking till your dying day? What's the story? That's a good question. I mean, this year makes you think about everything. You know, your goals. Your what? When are you going to retire? But fortunately, we're doing good, and uh, I think I got like three or four more years on my lease, so who knows? I think that might be it, you know, just chilling, chilling, maybe consulting after that, or hopefully traveling a lot, you know, like to do that. That's the weird yeah. thing, too. You can't travel, you can't get away, you can't go see your friends yeah. and just talk talk nonsense and have a beer, you know? That's what I miss, you know? Yeah. Seeing my friends, and these guys play music sometimes at night, and it's just, just good times, you know? It's kind of like the yeah. Sopranos, at, uh, those guys get together at the pork shop, remember? Or they get together in their office oh, yeah. at the at the strip club. You know, it's just oh, those, right. little, those little things. You get together with your buddies, you shoot the shit, and you laugh. You know, we used to laugh so yeah. hard. You know, and just we need to laugh again. You know, yeah. And, uh, and that's what I miss. You know, the little yeah. camaraderie with the, my friends and just talk nonsense. How about yeah, you, music Paul? too? And music, yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, music. Music is uh, big. for me. I'll I'll continue to teach. Rick and I do own the building, so Rick is my nobody other wants brother. to buy our. Nobody wants to buy a restaurant right now, so we're gonna have to wait that out uh, till the market, uh, you know, increases. So yeah, swan song would be to sell the restaurant and just teach for a little while and chill, take summers off and travel, live large. Yeah. Nice. All right, we're at the part of the program where it's five o'clock somewhere. I think I can actually play our little music here. Oh yeah, it's five o'clock somewhere where we ask you five great questions. And I'm going to start off with this since we didn't get into this during the interview. Uh, question number one, your favorite artist, musical artist. And I'll start with Mark. I think you know that. See my shirt? <laughs> Zappa. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you why. You got to cook for, for Frank Zappa once, right? Paul and I met him, yeah. Backstage. Yeah, we both did, yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. But uh, That is amazing. Oh he made God. at least 50 albums, you know during his lifetime and sometimes I go I went back the other day and listened to this one it's just it's very jazzy and it's just amazing the different things that he did musically but also the vocals some are really bad and strange and perverted but you know I like a lot of people but that's my favorite guy okay how about you Paul I was asked once on a, a show three favorite artists and I'm going to answer the same way I did then 
dead or alive, and it would be Miles Davis, the Rolling Stones, and Mozart. You could sit down with all those, all of them, oh, nice. have, let them have a jam session. Be cool. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Two. Question number two: the best meal you've ever eaten. Mm, that's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one. I got a couple in mind right off the bat, but remember that time, Mark, when uh, I was leaving La Francaise and we went in there for dinner? Yeah. And Banshee treated us. That was pretty darn good. And Frederic, did he did he smuggle that 61 Bordeaux? Bordeaux oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The gla- the he was supposed the, to. The glasses were about 13 inches tall. The biggest glass ever we ever had. <laughs> and he, he had he, to swish it with two, gla- two arms or two hands. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was pretty good. That's hilarious. I think service-wise, uh, Mark and I went to uh, Danielle in New York, and when we walked up, they greeted us. They knew our names. Then they looked to Mark and they go, "How are things at Oceanique?" And they looked at me and said, "How are things at Cuisine?" They 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 researched us, you know. Oh my god! And gosh. the whole the whole service was just impeccable. Yeah, they treated us really good. Best service I ever wow. had at, in Spain at El Bulli. Yeah, you ever that guy. That service there was unbelievable. They only took one plate at a time. But they bring three or four waiters. They only ever took one plate off the table, and the service was impeccable. But I remember this restaurant in uh, outside Milan. A friend of us hooked us up with the guy over there, and he, he actually picked us up and drove us like 40, 30 miles to the restaurant. And the food was just so simple, but just so good. And he had some nice wines on the list. And we went back there actually uh, wow. about five years ago again. We had to take a cab. It cost us like wow. 200 euros back and forth, something stupid. It just wasn't the same. They were, they were, they were older. Three hundred bucks for a taxi, but oh my god, it wasn't like it used to be. They, they were older and they were just a little bit uh, not as good. But it was good, good memories. All right, question yeah, number sure. three. We're gonna get deep here. What's your biggest fear, Paul? My, uh, this pandemic was, <laughs> no, to wake up and not have a restaurant to go to. You know that that would be my biggest fear, and to lose my senses. If I couldn't taste or smell or touch, I'd be freaked out. And that's what I know. Some people with COVID, they lost their sense of smell yeah. and they lost their palate. That, that that's that would scare the heck out of me. Yeah, no, that's I'm, it's terrible. That that is a huge fear. I would I would have a similar one. How about you, Mark? Yeah. Biggest fear? Biggest fear is uh, you know I have my kids later in life. I, I was forty, so I hope I live long enough to enjoy them uh, as I get older. You know, the guy is only seventeen still. And uh, yeah, that's my biggest fear. I just want to hang around a little bit longer. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Question number four. With all this talk about delicious French food, pick one. Whopper, Big Mac, Taco Supreme. All right, we, I don't know what Taco Supreme is. What is that? Taco, you know about the, Taco uh, Bell? Taco? Oh, Taco with Bell. With the sour, sour cream, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what that is. Of course I do. I have to go with Taco Supreme, man. I, nice. My my. my Family gives me a lot of grief for going to Taco Bell. They gave me a, they gave, Renee gave me a lifetime supply of tacos from Taco Bell for Christmas this year, last year. But it's fake. It's not real. So what the what the hell? It's fake. That's all, Paul. The reason why I like it too is because I just started a couple years ago because Justin Verlander used to go to Taco Bell every day he had to start. I don't know if you know that, Paul. I read that somewhere. So I said, if he can do it, he likes that, and he pitches his ass off, I'm okay with it. And I just think it's it's not as as bad as eating a Whopper or a Big Mac as far as your system. Oh, yeah. On a good day. On a good day. Oh, for sure. (laughs) And Paul, which one are you choosing? I prefer... I prefer to starve. 
I let my body eat itself. <laughs> okay, uh, question number five. Very funny. If there is one thing you could be remembered for, what would you like that to be? You first, Mark. Um, well, my legacy would hopefully, as Frank Zappa would say, would be my kids. And secondly, I um, think I'm known as a stand-up guy down to earth. Straight ahead, I'll look you in the eyes and ask you a question, and vice versa, I hope. That's all. I'll just stand up. That's what sure. I'm it's a great answer. Yeah, pretty much the same, you know, that my kids turn out right, and um, people can say at the end of the day, you know what, he did well. He did, you know, he followed his heart. He was true and honest to people, and he did the best he could. That's all you can ask for. And the jury's still out on my kids, so. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say raise them well yet. The jury's... They're, they're, still they're in the room. They're still talking. <laughs> hey, they got our blood. They're doing fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Absolutely. guys. That is it's five o'clock somewhere. Thank you guys for being on the show. Um, this is Chefs Mark and Paul Gross. Uh, we've got Mark is Oceanique in Evanston. What is your um, Instagram tag? No idea. <laughs> oh. <laughs> at, is it at Oceanique? Probably. It's Renette's it, job. It it's uh it's 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 at i just looked it up earlier okay. it's at oceanique 505 i think that's it yeah yeah i can only do so many things you know I, I, <laughs> okay. you have people for that <laughs> that's, that's I do. right and paul really? has cuisine in detroit that is at i think it's cuisine uh underscore detroit i think nice well thank you that's been a, all right thanks a, so much for being on the program Thank you. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. Oh my God, it was amazing. Welcome to the Afterpod. So th those are my two brothers, Mark and Paul Gross. They have restaurants. Well, we already talked about they, it. They've got two. They are restaurants. They are restaurant guys. tours. That's right, tourists. So the funny thing is, just to give you guys an inside scoop, is that we had so many technical problems. We've been hopping oh between gosh. these two sites, Zencaster and riverside.fm and for some reason it literally took us probably an hour to a little bit longer to figure out the there was an error an issue happening and it was super stressful but the one thing i have four brothers and i gotta say if i can use the term cool as a cucumber i feel like nothing <laughs> phases those guys they're all pretty even keeled i don't know that the late i have three sisters four brothers i don't know if the ladies got all those genes but the boys definitely did. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, I, I had no idea the PTSD they had from working with Jean Bonchet at La Francais. I, uh, that's just like, uh, I was in shock. The, the, like how Paul was, I was just like, are you kidding me? And he was like dead serious. I know. <laughs> I like, Should we have gotten, gone to what? a deep dive about what exactly they experienced? I don't know. I didn't want to bring him back into the shock life. I know. I feel like they were starting to get into the shock zone. It would have been interesting and probably also <laughs> a little upsetting and unsettling. Right. <laughs> At least from how they acted, that's what it felt like. But I mean, you know, the history and everything that they that they experienced and went through and learned is so... I don't know. It's like a whole nother... It's just another level. I, I had always heard say. that it was a tough place. Like I knew they worked many hours, who knows, 70, 80 hours a week and you got paid minimum, yeah. minimum wage. But I didn't know that it was that bad that, you know, that you actually have nightmares from. Maybe is that is that why I have DJ dreams? I've got, I've got radio <laughs> PTSD. Probably. I mean, think about it. You, you know, 
years slash decades of doing something, I think I think that is going to happen. And I mean, the beginning for them was only I think they said they were only there three and a half years, which probably felt like like 27 years because oh, of how you know many the hours one question they put I in? didn't ask them is how huh. it was in my mind, but we got onto other topics was how they knew when it was time to leave. Yeah, that would have been a good question. I, I mean, I, I think it was like, well, okay. Remember how they said they, uh, they quote unquote graduated on being to the left or the right oh, of the chef. Right. And that, and I think that was when you uh, knew it was time. time after you spent a certain yeah. amount of time there. Right. But still, it would like, uh, I guess it would have been a good question because it could have been like, was that the only reason why you moved on, <laughs> or were you done with mentally? The they couldn't stay any longer. <laughs> no, but seriously, they're though, like, right? let's see, I mean, suicide, or I got to quit this job. I'm yeah. probably gonna quit the job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, it's what a you're not wrong though. I mean, what a story that was, and just unknown information that you're just like, what? And I didn't realize Paul was teaching cooking for like full time. I didn't realize that either. Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, last time we saw them. I mean, it's uh, been hello COVID times. I haven't seen I was we were supposed to go home for Christmas, but we canceled our flight because of COVID. So I haven't been home. Well, it's a year year and two months, three months, two months, two months. Yeah, definitely the longest I've ever gone back home to Detroit. Yeah, I mean, I do like how they busted you on the salt and pepper without tasting it. I think you got you kind of got a little bammed on that one uh it was uh, more like the hot sauce part <laughs> well mark liked hot sauce so you were okay i i know but you know he was still like oh gosh i mean who threw me under the bus really though it was me <laughs> I did right. it. Yeah, me. well the one thing um, i was thinking when they were talking about tasting like we just made spaghetti sauce yesterday and that's interesting is tasting each little thing, even when you open up some crushed tomatoes, tasting that before you add any seasoning to know where it began. That really does open up your eyes to really cooking the way they cook. Oh my gosh, yeah, they yeah. must hate anything I make. They really <laughs> must be like, oh my God, this is garbage. I don't even know how they no. eat with my family. They must be like, Ugh, this is so gross. You guys don't know what you're doing. I wanted to bring up like, hey, did you guys enjoy the pork chops like Rick did as a kid? <laughs> oh, right. Did Rick like Cause them? Because seemed... I couldn't stand no, no, them. No, no, no. It was, oh, a, it we was all, a joke. We all couldn't stand yeah. them because we ate pork chops all the time. There was all so the much time. we didn't get into. Like growing yeah. up, my dad cooked a lot. Like there was a lot of history with food. And we might have to have them back on. <laughs> a part two? Yeah, part two. With, with zero troubleshooting needed? Yeah, when we get this technical stuff Look, oh you guys, gosh. we're we're newbies here in the podcast world, and there well, are, there are some f- struggles. Even though we are on episode twenty already. <laughs> to, to, to be fair, we're not only newbies, but this online format of bro- of broadcasting of something, anything—it's kind of new to everybody. Is, it is because there new are thing. some glitches on both of these sites that aren't yeah. right because jason and That's i right. are pretty we're okay with audio and there's something happening on on riverside fm that is not normal it's recording yeah. all all these tracks on one track it's happened with a couple people i'm gonna try contacting them but we'll see yeah so zencaster and riverside if you're listening please get your act together we, we understand this is new but you guys are better than this and we believe in you enough to keep using it uh anything else i i will say 
it, it was so stressful with all those audio problems. And then by the time, <laughs> and they're so chill. You ask them a question like, hey, what do you think about this? They're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're like shy, like, shy, like school oh boys. My God. Like, okay. I'm like so stressed yeah. out. So at the end of the, um, it ended up, of course, being great. But at the end, I was just like, ah. we opened a beer. I had to crack a beer open and just like chill out. Yeah. So we just wanted Seriously. to give you some behind the scenes of Cause I Have To. It's the <laughs> Afterpod. The Afterpod. I guess that's a wrap. Everybody go home. But you don't, wait, what's that? It's closing time. You don't have to go. <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yep, that's it. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. We should get the guy yeah. from Sunny Sonic on here. I bet he would come on. He seems really friendly. He really does. And we're not paying you for those me singing that. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Hearts Feliz Navidad. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Feliz Navidad. Thanks for listening to the Cuz I Have To podcast. The best way you can help us is share the show. Tell people about it. Also, subscribe, like, leave us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Instagram at Cuz I Have To Podcast and email us, especially if you know someone living their dharma and you think they'd be a great guest on the show. It's Cuz I Have To Podcast at Gmail. And oh, we do love those voice messages. You can leave us one at anchor.fm slash Cuz I Have To. Keep living those dreams, friends, because you have to. Till next time.